Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Heroes and villains on a Monday night. Uh, get your nominations in, one 736 And a partner in crime for the T20 World Cup games, Darren Berry, will preview the early games. Indeed. Welcome to the Sporting Capital. Uh, glad to have you on board. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It was a little feisty in time on, and that's okay. That can happen sometimes, and uh, sometimes you uh, have to be a little bit... Uh, you have to just... You need to make some tough calls, and sometimes the bus driver, and that's what I am at times, has to take a, uh, a route that you might not agree with, it's just the route we have to go on. So there's a couple of texts still coming through, disappointed about certain topics of conversation that really have no place on the sports station that I'll shut down pretty quickly. Um, to those people, I hope you've been able to stick around and I hope now you'll be able to join me in something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit uh, easier to palate for you, not to get you so rolled up uh, and so upset as we were talking before about the story unfolding about what potentially might be the case for unvaccinated players at the Australian Open. But Sporting Capital does take a lighter approach to sport and hopefully now we can bring you back in, we can put some smiles back on our faces, we can have a laugh again and just enjoy debating the finer things of sport, the easier things in sport. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Uh, Darren Berry is going to join me uh, after seven thirty. He and I did the first couple uh, of we did the first Australian game together. He and I doing all the Australian games throughout the T Twenty World Cup, and uh, it was a fascinating game. Australia's opener against um, South Africa. We, we got to the end of it and we thought we, we, we really felt, even though Australia had a five-wicket win, we felt that there was more questions still hanging over the head of the Australian side than answers. It was a, a difficult performance to get your head around and to try and f- to figure out whether was that a good win, was it not a good win. The bowling performance was really good, but did they get a stroke of luck going with the three pacemen? Um, and only picking one spinner as well as Maxwell. It was a really it was a confounding sort of game. We were a bit flummoxed by the end of it, about what it meant for where Australia's at, and are we any clearer on what their chances are in this T20 World Cup? one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the temper text temper uh, a mattress, mattress like no other. So we do heroes and villains on a Monday night. Let's get stuck into that. And then a hero comes along 
One three hundred seven three six seven three six. You know the number. Uh, Heroes and villains on a Monday night before Darren Berry joins me uh, at seven thirty to go through the opening games of the T Twenty World Cup. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. I always prefer you to open the bowling, but I'm more than happy to. As we just, uh, I think people are just taking a breather from picking up the phone again, just letting the heart rate drop a little bit, calming themselves, finding their centre. If you're a yoga, is that yoga, Jess? Is that finding your centre? Is that a yoga thing or a Tai Chi thing? Whichever way you're doing. Uh, hopefully you find it sooner rather than later and we can get talking uh, about the more nuts and bolts of sport, heroes and villains. Uh, off the text, hero nomination for Mo Salah, almost better than the Champions League win. Yeah, what um, for those who are of the uh, uh, massive World Game fans and big Premier League followers... Where are Manchester United at? 5-0 loss to Liverpool at home. Uh, and Mo Salah now, it's a great hero nomination actually, has more, has, has uh, put more into the back of the net than any other player from an African continent in uh, the Premier League. So Didier Drogba held that record, uh, Chelsea legend, and now Mo Salah has uh, eclipsed that on what was a very, very big day for Liverpool. And hey, Dark, dark day for Manchester United. It only seemed like yesterday that we were so excited about the return of Cristiano Ronaldo uh, to Old Trafford. And that excitement has been very, very short-lived because they look woeful. So if you're a Premier League person uh, and a big fan of it, then I'd love to hear from you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I mentioned Josh Giddy a little earlier. I'll start rolling through my heroes. Uh, big fella says, my hero this week, Sam, will be my doctor on Wednesday who gives me my second team. Oh, big fella. I probably should have read this earlier. Uh, so I can finally set foot in the Greensboro Bowls Club to start rolling some bowls down. Did I mention Greensboro Bowls Club, Sam, in case anyone looking for a casual or serious role? Have a great night. Cheers from big fella. Uh, mate, well done for you, to you for going to get that uh, second jab and, and good luck to all at Greensboro. And, yeah, you'd love to see as many people getting down to their local bowls club as possible. Um, like so many businesses, you know, so many walks of life, they would obviously have uh, suffered in Victoria given uh, what's happened during lockdown, as so many businesses have. But, um, yeah, so it, it, there's actually it's, – it's probably one of the best ways, I reckon – to go and catch up with people that you haven't been able to catch up with. Now, I'd need to double-check what the rules are around a gathering at a lawn bowls establishment, but you would be outside technically, and to get a group of people together, do a bit of barefoot bowls at your local bowls club, I can't think of a better way to be catching up with people that you haven't seen for a long time. bit of an activity involved. Um, the beer is always at, at the best price you can find anywhere in the land. The weather at the moment is magnificent, so why wouldn't you want to be outside? It ticks. I don't know if there's a box that Lawn Bowls doesn't tick. You can get a, 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 a lot of Lawn Bowls places do a feed as well. If not, 
you can order some pizza or something. That I've, I've actually just thought of that idea myself from Big Fella's text, and I'm starting to think that might be very high on the agenda um, for, from a good self and the beautiful Evie as we look to catch up with uh, family and friends. Alex's nomination uh, off the text, my hero is the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA. Uh, we'll get to the NBA scores shortly. And also the London Lions winning their first European games back-to-back at the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, Dean likes uh, his heroes, the All Blacks, smashing US 104-14, to 14, 14 tries to two. Um, that was... I don't know if you saw the opening scenes of that game, but it's a good... Um, it's, a, it's a great nomination for the All Blacks. Obviously still reeling... Um, from the loss of, of uh, one of their players uh, who wasn't currently in the squad, I don't think. And I'm just going to get his name up on the screen because I don't want to be disrespectful, but I just have forgotten his name. But the opening moments of um, of that game where the US team actually held, um, presented a jersey, one of their jerseys, um, to the All Blacks um, in recognition of the uh, New Zealand rugby player. Uh, and it was a beautiful tribute um, in regards to Sean Wainui, who was the the player that unfortunately died recently in a car accident. And they, the All Blacks, I think, were en route to the US when that actually happened. So they found out when they landed that that had taken place. And they've got a, a big... They're on the, the, at the very start of a massive tour of the US and then Europe. So the US team actually uh, got a, a jersey created um, and, 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 and they presented two jerseys to the, to the All Black side who then put them in front of them when they did... Um, an extraordinary rendition of the Harker. If you haven't seen it, it, it it's always spine-tingling, the Harker, but this had plenty of emotion uh, attached to it. So um, well done to the US team for that gesture, but also uh, to the All Blacks as well uh, in the way that they've uh, persevered through it. Uh, 1-300-736-736. A um, couple more that are coming through off the text for Heroes and Villains before we uh, get into some of mine. Uh, Tristan from Preston Beach in WA says, "My villain is Daryl Morey. Every other player from uh, RE player to st- every other player from RE player to star they had asked or demanded a trade gets their wish. I know Morey wants a star in return, but it's not happening. He needs to trade him soon for a few players that will complement Embiid. Hero is Matty Wade. Our cricket team seems so much more stable with that guy in our team. Never gets rattled and has a bit of mongrel in him. Love it. That's from Tristan from Preston Beach in WA. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, Dean has a nomination as uh, villain is the 76ers. And Ben, and Ben, sort out your life, comes through uh, off the text. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Shams Sharania, who's um, one of the preeminent journos um, in the US when it comes to all things basketball, was on with Gary and Tim earlier this morning talking about the uh, the Ben Simmons situation. You know, I think where it stands now is Ben Simmons finally, finally addressed his teammate on Friday uh, right after shoot-around and their film session. And he basically told the entire team, Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, that he is not mentally ready to play yet, and he needs time to get there. He expressed to them that he wants to play, but as of right now, he doesn't feel mentally ready to play in, in Philadelphia. And after he spoke, I was told that Joel Embiid finally was able to ask Ben Simmons, his co-star, the question, why do you want a trade? And Ben Simmons responded that right now he just does not feel mentally himself. And and I, I'm not sure how long this process is going to take for Ben Simmons. He will get evaluated by professional uh, um, you know, professional uh, people to get help on this uh, state that he's in mentally, that he's not able to play 
in Philadelphia. And so we saw Tobias Harris come out publicly, Joel Embiid come out publicly and support Ben Simmons. And I'm told privately a couple of those guys told Ben, listen, we're here for you. We want you to be in the fight for us as well. But, you know, whatever you need from us, let us know. As long as your heart's in the right place, we're here supporting you. Take the time that you need. And so this process is going to take a while. Daryl Morey spoke on Thursday and hinted that they're willing to take this the entire four years. Ben Simmons is four years almost $150 million left on his contract. And that means that there's not really a leverage play for him to get out of Philadelphia. You know, it's not as simple as asking out. We've seen guys like Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Paul George in the past request to trade and get out of their situation, Kyrie Irving as well. But, you know, Ben Simmons is not in that position. So right now it is a stalemate. It's a, it's a standoff. And Ben Simmons is going to get help, it appears. NBA writer Sham Sharania on Gary and Tim for breakfast. Back tomorrow morning from 6. And listen to that full chat, sen.com.au, or download the app and just uh, press on the podcast page and you'll be able to find it there. But that's a significant moment, isn't it, in in what is a pretty – well, it's a pretty ruined – it's pretty much a ruined relationship between Ben Simmons uh, and the 76ers, what we thought was an unsavable relationship. But that's a significant moment that he's got up and actually addressed the players, explained where, what he's feeling, explaining where he's at, where his head's at, why he's doing what he's doing, why he wants to do what he's trying to do. That, that, that's a moment of great significance in all of this. And we spoke last week about the fact that you might have been in a workplace where you felt like the whole place had turned on you. Um, you. You felt like you weren't, you didn't feel like it was a safe place to be. You felt like you might have been thrown under a bus. You knew that you didn't want to be there anymore. You'd given your notice to go, but you just had to serve out your notice, period. It's a very similar thing when you've asked for a trade. Uh, you've got to sit around and wait while they're asking for a trade. But in the meantime, we encouraged Ben Simmons to rise above and to, to be of the higher integrity. When they go low, you go high. To rock up, work his ass off, to show any team that's looking at him like, wow, look at what this guy's been through. And he still rocks up, does his job, puts in. That's the kind of guy we want on this. But at the moment, it was the, the, the not turning up, um, being quite truculent, um, being quite dismissive, you know, sort of sooking out the back um, of and not being involved in any way, shape or form, refusing to get into drills. And whilst you absolutely understand why he feels the way he feels about the organisation um, that really did just lump it all in his lap for their loss in the playoffs last year and can absolutely understand why he wants a trade, you can also understand their frustration with him in that we've done a lot for you, we've drafted you, we've paid you a fortune of money, and all we've ever asked you to do is work on your shooting. Uh, and we've given you, we wanted to put you with our guy to do it, you didn't do it. Um, so we, you can understand frustrations from both sides with each other. Um, but Daryl Morey wanted to get rid of Ben Simmons from the moment he got there. He wanted to get the Harden trade done, so much so that Ben Simmons was looking at real estate at other, at a, at a, at other locations where he thought he was going to be traded to. So you can certainly understand why Ben Simmons wants to go and you can understand why the 76ers uh, are upset with him. But we encouraged him last week to maybe just rise above that, to be of the higher integrity, to rock up, do the job and show potential suitors that no matter what happens, you're someone who can be relied upon. You've got the maturity to handle it. Because what he's going through at the moment is probably the most intense... I don't know him and I don't know his family story. So I don't know if there's anything that's going on in his life of drama or trauma or anything like that. But this would be one of the most significant moments in his life. Maybe the first time ever he's felt 
betrayed and let down and alone and unloved and all that kind of stuff. So he's going through all that. So to rock up today, to front up, to say, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm doing, that's a big step forward in all this. And hopefully it's a, a sign that shows other clubs, okay, righto, well, at least now we know that that's, that's what, you know, he's, he's got that side of him. He's got that integrity element to him. Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll keep rolling through our heroes and villains. Keep batting yours up, and I'll start working through mine as well. Darren Berry to join me at seven thirty on the Sporting Capital. Uh, heroes and villains. We're into it. We're into it on a Monday night. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple off the text uh, from Adonis. Simmons is a sport. Brat, stop painting him as a victim. He's an effing turd. Uh, Adonis, never at any stage have I said that he's the victim. What I've said is I can understand why he's upset with the organisation and I can see why he would believe that they had turned on him, because they did after that playoff loss. But I can also, as I said, understand their frustration with him over the years, not working on the areas that they wanted him to work on. And I can certainly understand your frustration with him because, you know, we were all pretty disappointed when he decided not to play for Australia. And he's talking now about, you know, not feeling mentally capable of playing at all. Um and, and needs to take a bit of time to, to get himself in a, a state where he can play. Because I think he just thought, no, no, there's no way I'm going to be playing and it will get done because anybody that asks for a trade, it always gets done. Well, it hasn't got done and he maybe just didn't prepare himself. So that's probably bad advice again. And I think he's getting a fair bit of that. Um, just imagine where he'd be mentally, I think, without knowing, and I'm not a psychologist, but I'm just pontificating where he might be at if he did decide to go and play with the Boomers after, you know, I just, I've said it a few times, Matisse Thibel said that it changed his life, not just his basketball, but that experience with the Boomers changed his life. And I think most of the players would agree. He would have gone there and been embraced wholeheartedly with open arms, love, been a part of something much bigger than him, um, much bigger than just basketball. But it was, it, was such, it was one of the most significant moments in Australian basketball, and he would have been a part of that. And maybe he could have been the difference in from a bronze to a silver or a gold. We don't know. But I, can, I, wonder what, I wonder where he'd be at the moment if he had have decided to, instead of going to Wimbledon and hanging out with um, TV starlets and, and putting some videos up on Instagram of some of the workouts that he did over summer, if he just had a committed to the boomers, I wonder where he would, what he'd be feeling right now, where he'd be at right now. And I can't help think that he might be in a, a much better place. But look, I'm just speculating. What do I know? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Since CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo arrived at Man U, it's been 10 v 11 players. Same when he played for Juve. Karma for leaving Juventus at the last minute. That's from Rock in Brunswick. A couple more heroes for me. Josh Giddy. Don't know if you've seen this today, but he was in his third game. Alex agrees against a serious opponent in the 76ers, ironically enough. Against the 76ers, ironically enough. Uh, 19 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals in 34 minutes. And what I loved, and I hope you did too if you've had a look at some of the highlights, is have a look at how many times he scores on Joel Embiid who was in the top three considerations for MVP last year, one of the most dominant big men in the game. 19 years of age, Josh Giddy, and he says, I'll have a bit of you, thanks. So the courage, the IQ, the game, all of it, it's just... I, I, I'm, this is one of the most exciting moments in, in Australian basketball as we watch 
a young man go from the NBL as an 18-year-old to the NBA as a 19-year-old and, 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 and show that he belongs, unequivocally belongs? It, it is a moment in time that I think we're going to look back on and go, did you ever see his first few games? Oh, my God, he went, he went at Joel Embiid. Now, Joel Embiid was so frustrated with this that he, he cheap-shotted him something shocking in the last quarter. Really hard foul, um, open lane. It was, the layup was a fait accompli, and Joel Embiid fouled him hard from behind, sent him crashing to the floor. To the commentator, um, Adel Nabi, who's one of the 76ers, because a lot of the, uh, in the NBA, they've got... Uh, hometown commentary team. So it's, a, it's a, essentially just a biased call. But he said he couldn't care less about um, whether Josh Giddy was hurt or not. He just only cared whether Joel Embiid was hurt, even though it was Joel Embiid that instigated the contact and gave him a cheap shot. Um, that's as poor form as it gets. Uh, and this is a guy that played for Duke. He was a pro himself. Uh, that's pretty bloody ordinary, and that's a villain nomination. But don't forget this moment in time when we saw Josh Giddy start his NBA career because I think we're going to be marvelling at what he does for many, many years to come. Speaking of Aussie marvels, and we love Paddy Mills, the only player ever in NBA history to go 10-0 and with his first three-point uh, three attempts in a season. No other player's done it. And Paddy Mills fitting in beautifully at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so there's another hero nomination for me. Um, what about Pakistan. First ever win over India in any World Cup, which they achieved overnight. Um, Matty Hayden spoke uh, to Gillian Goss on SENWA earlier today, and he is a, he's got a, a coaching role with Pakistan. One of our greatest ever had this to say. My role is certainly with sister batters. Uh, and I think more, more than anything, just a broader sense of just a bit of mentorship around tournaments like the ICC, which you know, Gilson and I have played plenty of over the years, um, and they have their own dif- their, their own tempo. N- not really any different to the way as kids we all played each other in district cricket and and then representative cricket at certain levels. And tournaments have a very different face to them. And I've got to say, I wasn't very good at, at any one of them until maybe <laughs> the last one in 2007 World Cup. <laughs> so I learned the hard way, that's for sure. Yeah, look, I got asked, and um, and I, I suppose being opportunistic as well, I, I was here and I'd seen, you know, the back part of the IPL and um, the the various venues. Apart from Oman, we, we didn't travel there during the IPL, but each one of those venues, I got an opportunity to to see what that was like from a, a venue sense, a broadcast sense, see what was working, seeing what wasn't working. So typically, you know, we don't travel a, a great deal to this part of the the world. I think probably Gilks, we played what, maybe two, three tournaments here at, at the most. Um, whereas yeah. India and Pakistan, in particular Pakistan, just because it's been their kind of choice of neutral venues, do get a chance to see this venue quite a lot. So I'm learning as much from them as what, what I'm telling them. Matty Hayden speaking to Gillian Goss this morning, SENWA. So a 10-wicket win for Pakistan was just extraordinary. Their first ever over India at any World Cup. And the damage was done. Uh, Shaheen Afridi was phenomenal uh, with the ball. He's the one that got Virat Kohli, who top scored for India, 57 off 49, uh, for probably the best T20 batsman of all time. Um, three wickets for Shaheen Afridi. And then no loss of wicket for Pakistan. Baba Azam. Uh, and Mohammad Rizwan saw them home in just f- beautiful fashion. It was a great moment. And what I do like is Virat Kohli, the, the, the warm embrace that he gave 
um, to those two men when they came off the field after inflicting that loss, which you, you really, you can only afford to really, and we'll ask Darren Berry about this, you can really only afford to lose one group game, if that, at, the, at these World Cups. So they've got off, they're 0-1 uh, at the minute. And the way in which Virat Kohli congratulated and embraced the Pakistan side, I thought was just fantastic sportsmanship. But uh, well done to Pakistan and now seen by many as a legitimate threat uh, in this T20 World Cup. Um, So a hero nomination for Pakistan. Some hero nominations for Australia's game. And and it's, as I said before, there's more questions that have come out of that win in a tough group than, than maybe what we have in terms of answers. But I thought the selection of Josh Hazelwood was a, a masterstroke. We thought that maybe that uh, that well, Darren Berry's advice was play at least two, if not three. I mean, he put a call up that maybe even Mitch Swepson should come in. But they went with essentially the test-fast bowling attack of Hazelwood, Cummins and Stark. And in the first over when Stark went for 11, we thought, oh, no, uh, this is going to fall right on its you-know-what. But Glenn Maxwell, who had to be the second spinner, he gets a wicket in uh, his first over. And Josh Hazelwood at one point had figures of two for seven before he conceded uh, some late runs. But he did the damage uh, at the top of the order. He got out Quinton de Kock and also Henrik uh, van der Dusen. uh, And they were brilliant deliveries, the both of them, uh, to get those wickets. The um, Quinton de Kock dismissal was quite humorous. If you haven't seen it, I think he bottom-edged onto his thigh pad. The ball ballooned up in the air. He had no idea where it was. It landed uh, about 30 centimetres in front of uh, the the stumps and just uh, plopped into them, Uh, and he was on his way. So it was. um, there are some heroes in that win, but I wonder if there's some villains uh, as well. Uh, Johnny Allen, a hero nomination for me as well. Um, We're going to, after the break, we'll speak to Chuck Berry. Uh, But Johnny Allen, who I'm going to speak to later in the Sporting Capital, uh, is a hero nomination for getting his first Cox Plate. And there's some hero nominations too. And there's, I've still got a few more to get through, so keep sending yours through as well. But Sophie Devine, um, for that uh, innings of 101 uh, against the Thunder, the 173-run partnership with Beth Mooney, that was just brilliant hitting from Sophie Devine. And Darcy Brown, this is another name that you need to remember. Uh, Test debut against India in the Australian women's cricket team. Got the sixth ever hat-trick in WBBL cricket against the Heat for the Strikers. The Strikers' first ever hat-trick. 18 years of age is Darcy Brown. So what a bright future ahead. And uh, the future of Australian cricket, especially our women's cricket, is that and a whole lot more. Uh, We'll talk some more cricket with Darren Berry on the other side of this on the Sporting Capital. Uh, keep sending your heroes and villains nominations through for the Sporting Capital on a Monday night. Sam Hargraves with you. Uh, 0433981116 is the temper text line. Temper a mattress like no other. You can call them in 1300 736 736. A villain nomination came in from Dean saying Australia really needs a standalone T20 cricket team and coach. Perhaps Ricky Ponting and Adam Gilchrist as coaches. If you were going to put together uh, a new coaching structure for T20s, then this man really does need to be at the top of the list of it. It is an absolute privilege and a pleasure to spend the nights commentating uh, the Big Bash over the last couple of years and then now the T20 World Cup. My partner in crime, uh, Darren Berry, hello to you. Partner, you're too kind. Thanks for your kind words. Wow, what a couple of matches last night. Uh, fantastic. Before we get into that, um, I, I, I hear that I owe you a very big thank you because I hear that you've been a man in demand on the station all throughout <laughs> the day. 
<laughs> well, the big boys, you know, uh, Andy Marr and Gazy tried to sort of railroad me in, and, and I remained loyal. I said, listen, I've already committed to Sammy Hargraves, and I'm not into the big names. I'm just into the big workers. So I said, I'm staying with Sammy. Oh, you, you, you're a gem. You're an absolute gem. Uh, thank you. I, I very much appreciate it. Hey, um, let's start with uh, Australia before we get into some of the yep. other results. We, um, we came away from that game, both you and I, thinking, I don't, I think mm. we know less than what we did going in. It was a, a strange game because, yes, it was a five-wicket win and, yes, it was a fantastic bowling performance, but there's still several areas of concern for you. H- how did you rate the performance of Australia in the win over South Africa? Six out of ten I gave them because they got the win, and uh, that's what counts. They found a way to win, so we give them a tick. Uh, like you, I think, and like anyone, the bowling was very good. Very surprised Ashton Agar was left out, and I'll be interested Thursday night when they go to Dubai against Sri Lanka, whether they play the same team. Josh Hazelwood, you said it, he was magnificent. The bowling was good. 118, you win nine out of ten games. I thought at the halfway stage that Australia should have won it in 15 overs. Unfortunately, the question marks remain over our batting. And until Aaron Finch, Dave Warner and Mitch Marsh fire, and let's hope it's Thursday night or into the early hours of Friday, let's hope that they find that answer. If we're three for 30 again, then I think Australia have got some serious headaches with their batting lineup. So let's talk about the, the top order, because I've got them as a, a villain nomination in my Heroes and Villains. Yep. Um, when we look at what they were able to put together, 25 runs between Warner, Finch and Marsh. Warner, 14 off 15, played three good shots that showed real intent, and, and he had real purpose about how he looked. He was aggressive at the at the crease. He was sort of charging around. The shoulders were back. Um, Marsh, 11 off 17, found the going tough and finched the duck off five balls, who's still ranked number three in the world at T20 International Mm. Cricket. Still averages over the last 18 games over 30, but only a couple of scores over 50. Hard to get a gauge on where he's at. What's the issue for us there at the top of the order? Yep. Yeah, well, again, I try try my best to deliver facts. Finch and Warner have been let's say, have been Mm. an outstanding white ball opening combination. But the facts are they are out of form. Aaron Finch has had a knee operation and has had no game practice. He played two warm-up games and he, he, I think, he got a 20-odd and a failure. So he's got not any recent form, but his credit's in the bank and he's captain of the team. So... He's a problem, but they're going to stay with Aaron Finch. No, he'll get. He's going to get three, probably four chances before. And I'm backing him to fire. David Warner, IPL, two failures, got dropped out of his IPL team. Fit, looking good, fit, but no runs. Warm up matches, a duck and two or a duck and one. The other night he came out with intent. That's what David Warner does. That's how he's going to play. My concern, Sam, and for anyone who watched that game or hopefully listened to us on SEN, he's off balance a lot of the time at the point of impact. And not just the shot he got out to, he is trying really hard, in my opinion, to make a statement. And I think the best thing he can do is stay still and hit the ball hard. When he got out the other night, Sam, he was on the move. He was on the move, which gives you no balance. 
any a game of golf, you, you steal and you hit a, a steal ball. When the ball is coming towards you in cricket, you can't, or very rarely can you hit it when your body is moving. You can be advancing, taking the, but at the point of impact, you need to be still. If you watch closely and technically, Warner is constantly on the move at the point of impact and you lose control of the ball. I hope that Langer, McDonald, Jeff Fawn, Michael DiVanito, there's enough heads there, pull David aside and say, stop, let's find your balance, let's get your structure. He's the one for me that really, we need to see something out of David Warner on Thursday night, otherwise... I think the fire is right under his position. Are you still happy with Mitch Marsh at three, given that he was uh, easily and far and away Australia's best performer in the most two recent series between the West Indies and uh, Bangladesh? Yep. Disappointing the other night, but I'm giving him another chance. So you, you don't judge someone on one. No. But in this tournament, in this tournament, Sam, as you know, the group that Australia, there is no easy games. Well, there's no easy games, but I would say with respect that Namibia and Scotland in the other side of the draw are slightly easier games than Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Now, they had a fiery encounter. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I'm saying is we, you can't afford to just go, oh, we'll just give them another chance. You've got to be strong in your conviction. Australia will stay with the same top three, I believe, on Thursday night, early hours of Friday. But Mitchell Marsh, we'd love to see him come out. I'm sticking with him. I'm staying with Steve Smith as the glue in the middle. He's the man that can manipulate and guide. Glenn Maxwell at five. And then you know my my team is to have Josh Inglis at six as the finisher and the wicketkeeper. And then you play five bowlers. That's my team. Australia the other night had Stoinis and Wade. And many would say, thank goodness we did. Because Stoinis and Wade got us over the line. But I don't believe in my heart of hearts that that is the best balanced team to win the T20 World Cup. No, and they're both playing roles that that is not what they play in for their big, big for their big bash sides. They're both openers uh, with the Hurricanes and the Stars respectively. And yet now you're saying yep. that normal game you play in big bash cricket, we now want you to play a very different role. We want you to play um, a, a finishing role. To me, Sammy, and I don't know whether you and I have spoken about it, I, might, I think I did an interview on SEN Sydney, to be honest, and I, and I said oh, this. Oh, now tell it me comes if out, does it? Now we start that, to find that, out. That was about two weeks ago. Oh, tell, me if, <laughs> tell me if we spoke about it. You might have even said this to me. My brain's going, and I'm waiting for Monday night tie takeaway down here in Mornington. However, uh, it's like when they pick the All-Australian football team, Sam. Yes. I hate it when they pick six Ruck Rovers, and stick one of them on a half-back flank and one of them on a half-forward flank, that's not where they play. That's not, so if you're that not the best yep. ruck rover, <laughs> that was you. Yep. So we've just, that's what I think Australia are picking, six ruck rovers, all right? Yep. When we actually, you know, we need, we need two good half-forward flankers to kick us some goals, yep. if people understand my analogy, the, the goals being kicked in the positions that they play. Stoinis and Wade open the batting for their franchises, so they get picked, but then they, then they bat them to say, can you go in with 18 balls to go? When there's five men on the boundary, that's very different to opening the big bash when there's only two out. It's a totally different role. And you know that I'm massive on T20 cricket. 
It's a role-specific game. You need to play your role at a certain time. They got away with it the other night. Hey, I know I love Stoinis and Wade. I'm not on their back. No. But I think they've been picked in the wrong positions, Sam. No, I, I agree with you. And it's, it, is, it is the good analogy to use about how we, what we do with that all-Australian side and then asking someone to play a completely different role when you've got people in the side that actually do... Uh, in the squad that yep. do perform those roles for their sides. Hey, let's have a look at some of the other games. We, Australia, obviously, the next game is Sri Lanka. Uh, 1 a.m. Friday yep. morning. You and I will be uh, all present and correct for that. We might not be correct, but we'll be present. Um, a couple we'll of other really interesting games. West Indies are the reigning champions. Uh, they're the only team to win two oh. T20 World Cups. What on earth was that debacle? Uh, bowled out for 55 uh, in Sammy, the 15th over. Do you... Sammy, do you remember? You've got a pretty good memory. Mm. Before we went off air the other night at about 1am and we were looking at the West Indies lineup, do you remember what I said to you? you no, you don't. You, <laughs> you said to me that they've got a lot of hitting power. And they could do one of two things, the yes. West Indies. They could make 220 tonight with that power or because of their undisciplined nature... They could be all out. I think I said 70, so I was a bit generous. That is the... You know what you can guarantee with that West Indies lineup with the, with the people in it? They are consistently inconsistent. Yep. You know what I mean? They, they, will put, they come out next game, Sam, the West Indies, and they could make 235 because their hitting power is unbelievable. But their, their mentality... And their lack of care for structure, their lack of care for discipline. Some fine man once said to me, no longer with us, you know my good friend Dean Jones, mm. he said to me, with, with discipline comes freedom. And I thought about that. And I said, mate, that, he go, with discipline, you have to have the discipline to earn the freedom. And that's what he was talking about to our team in the T20. So you, you've got to... You've got to do the work. You've got to be prepared. You've got to get yourself in. You've got to adjust to the Then you get the freedom. If you were, as I was driving home the other night, I listened to the coverage, of, all right? And then you get the freedom. If you were, as I was driving home the other night, I listened to the coverage of that game. Second ball slogged up in the air. First ball clean bowled. Third ball slog up in the air. There was zero discipline. And what they got was a West Indian result. Phil Simmons should have torn the paint off the wall and say, if you're going to serve up that crap, we don't deserve to be in this competition. I'll repeat, you watch them come out next game and make 236. What a moment for Pakistan, Chuck. They've been trying to get a win over India, and we know what that means uh, and, and the... Uh, you know, what uh, is the byplay between these two countries? But th they've been wanting a win over India at any kind of World Cup for a long, long time. They finally get their first one. I loved how they went about it. Yep. A 10-wicket win. Uh, but I also loved Virat Kohli, who was the first out there to hug uh, those two openers uh, and congratulate them uh, about what they'd achieved, knowing how much uh, it meant to them. I thought that was a, a beautiful moment as well. But Baba Azam and Mohamed Rizwan, what a performance from them with the bat. Outstanding. They made a huge statement last night. You, you've summed it up there. These two countries, obviously, sadly, we know the political unrest between the two over many, many years. And sometimes it bubbles over into the fans. And these two sides, traditionally, all right, have had some real tense battles. And India in the World Cup have dominated Pakistan. So this was a huge statement mm. in the fact that they didn't just win. 
They got them, none for 170 or whatever the score was. They made a mess of them and a real statement. I, the Pakistan team is good, and I looked at it last night. I didn't watch that game because it was the late game. I watched the highlights, and I looked at their team. They've got a good team, a good blend of youth and experience. Pakistan, Shaheen Shah Afridi, yep. swung the ball. He's beautiful player. Um, lucky enough, Sam, to work with a few of those boys in our PSL team. Baba Azam, Asif Ali, who's dangerous at number six. He can hit a clean ball. Uh, Hassan Ali didn't do that well with the ball last night. Baba Azam was just a young kid. You know, when Dino and I were with him, what are we talking, six, seven years ago now, he's now a very mature, uh, cool, calm customer. Beware. Pakistan last night, impressive. I think India will bounce back. Those two sides are strong. Uh, and I just hope that our team, Australia, can get through to those semi-finals. Another big game Thursday night when you and I together. Sri Lanka were also impressive last night yep. against Bangladesh. Were in their run chase, magnificent. They chased them down, and I, I was a bit. I watched that game because I had to get all the names right. And what we've got, Sammy, we've got uh, we've got Asalanka, we've got Nasalanka, we've got Shannonanka, and we've got Sri Lanka. So it should be good fun Thursday night. It is. Uh, we're we're out of time here, mate. But it's, uh, thank you so much for uh, your loyalty. It means the world. When the big dogs came knocking, <laughs> you you stuck fat, uh, and that's why we love you. Um, you, uh, it's been brilliant doing the first game with you. Can't wait for what's to come. I'll speak to you on uh, Friday morning. Look forward to you in the wee small hours, mate. Australia, Sri Lanka, don't forget to join in uh, SEN. Looking forward to it, Sammy. Cheers, mate. Uh, Darren Berry, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, he, the insight that we get from Chuck, and for those who still think the T20 cricket is hit and giggle, um, let me just throw one stat at you. Australia didn't hit a six in the game against South Africa, and South Africa only hit, I think, two or three from memory at the very most. It has gone so far beyond that. The tactics that are involved now, um, the analytics, um, the planning that goes in, the matchups, uh, it's what it's all about. This game, for me, is now more significant, and this might uh, annoy some traditionalists, but at one stage, 50-over cricket wasn't a traditional part of cricket. I think that T20 cricket is far more significant now than one-day international cricket. I think there's too many formats of the game, and I think if one had to go, I would honestly think it would be 50-over cricket, and you would have tests and T20. I don't think you need one-day internationals to bridge a gap um, I just don't think it needs to be there anymore. If I'm more than happy for it too, and I love commentating it, but if one had to go, I, I would say that it would be one day internationals that would go and not T20 cricket. Uh, 1300 to have you say on that. As we clean up at the top of the hour, we'll hear a bit from Justin Langer next. Uh, we've only got about a minute before we finish up. Uh, I've got about a minute and a half of Justin Langer that I want to play you after 9 o'clock. Johnny Allen, uh, Cox Plate winning jockey Johnny Allen, is going to join me after 9 as well. And we, you never know who else might pop up uh, in the other hour that I've got. But the first serve is up with BP. Heaps on the tennis agenda, uh, as we know. I think he'll be covering off uh, all the recent developments and he'll have the latest for you on where things stand uh, between unvaccinated and vaccinated players coming out for the Australian Open. So don't miss the first serve, which is up next. Just a couple more hero nominations from me. Tom Brady, 600th career touchdown, the only player to ever do it. That would be worthy of a hero nomination alone. But if you saw the moment after the game, there was a young kid in the crowd who had a Tom Brady help me beat brain cancer sign. Tom went over and met him after the game, gave him a hat, 
spent a little bit of time with him, just said hello, and then spoke about it uh, in a press conference afterwards. I thought that's exactly what is great about sport. Uh, and you saw how much it meant to that young man. Uh, that was a beautiful moment. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, first World Series they've been in since 99. They haven't won since 1995. They beat the LA Dodgers, who had the second-best record in the Major League this year. They won 17 more games in Atlanta, but Atlanta win the series. Uh, and they take on the Houston Astros, who will, buy, will be nobody's uh, preferred side after the uh, sign-stealing debacle of the 2017 World Series. The Matildas 3-1 win over Brazil. Carice Davidson for getting herself onto the US tour in the LPGA. Uh, that's a few more hero nominations. I'll be back with you after nine. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So... We doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.